Cause when you're worried, your face will frown. That will bring everybody down. So don't worry. It's time for the chart of the day with our Bloomberg Stocks columnist, Dave Wilson. Dave, what do you got? Well, things not to worry about, at least uh, for some people. You know, you get a day like Friday when the larger technology companies really lead the market. And then it becomes you know, the concern about whether they're just too dominant. Whether you know you're you're seeing in the broader market what's going on with those big names that we all know call them the Thang stocks, if you like, and it's an issue that uh, Andrew Garthwaite, uh, global equity strategist at Credit Suisse, addressed in his latest report. And what he did, uh, well, first to show just how dominant uh, technology stocks had been as a group. Uh, he put together a ratio of the S&P 500 Information Technology Index to the S&P 500. And you can see that's really taken off uh, through Friday. It's been up 17% this year. And then to kind of contrast that with what's happening uh, broadly to S&P 500 companies, he looked at the index relative to an equal weighted version. So, you know, the, the Apples and the Alphabets and the Amazons and all the rest, they, they count the same as every other company, even the smallest ones, in the equal weighted version of the so index. So the big guys don't kind of skew the index, if Exactly. You will. That's the point. And when you look at that ratio, it hasn't had the kind of move that you see in tech stocks relative to the S&P 500. Again, at the end of last week, uh, it was only up a bit more than 3%, with the S&P 500 sort of being, uh, if you will, the, the focus. So, sure, larger companies are, are getting a little bit of uh, an mm -hmm. advantage over smaller ones, but not enough to really suggest things have changed. And the chart's really stunning when you look at the ratio going back to uh, 2000, right. uh, when we had the peak in Internet stocks. I mean, it, it's way lower now than it was then, only about half of its current reading uh, or the current reading, only about half of the peak. If you want to know more, folks, send me an email. I'll get you the chart, the explanation that goes with it. And everything I do going forward, the email address is dwilson at bloomberg.net. That's dwilson at bloomberg.net. All right, Dave Wilson, thank you so much. Interesting chart. Also interesting today, the amount of deal flow, and that includes a huge deal in the home builder industry. Lennar acquiring Cal Atlantic Group, $5.7 billion in cash and stock. Let's talk about it with our own Drew Redding. Uh, he's home builder analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence uh, from our BI headquarters in Princeton, New Jersey. So, Drew, this, was a, this is a huge deal, significant. Yeah, this is actually the, the largest deal in the history of the space. Um, and we kind of view this as a bullish indicator for the group as large. The fact that these management teams would be willing to take on this type of risk and what was generally perceived to be a, a recovery in the later innings kind of highlights their optimism that this cycle still has a decent amount of room to run. Is it? Talk to me a little bit about valuation and um, what kind of debt are we talking as a result of this deal? So we did a previous analysis that showed that Cal Atlantic stock may be um, somewhat undervalued relative to its larger cap peers, particularly based on return expectations. So it's not a name we talk about a lot, Drew, and when it no, comes to home builders. No, it's not. And, and they're actually a relatively new name. They were formed just two years ago through the mm -hmm. merger between Standard Pacific and Ryland. So Lenar paid about 1.7 one time, times Cal Atlantic's tangible book value. And that kind of puts it more in line than what we were previously seeing with some of its large cap peers. Um, I mentioned debt. Is there, 
this combination, uh, is that going to be a problem? I know there's no, it doesn't look like any debt in the deal, but I just, I'm curious, is it manageable? Yeah, so Lenore's uh, leverage will modestly increase to about 3.3 times debt to EBITDA, but they still expect this business to be a strong cash generative business over the next couple of years. So they'll be able to delever back to current levels in, in pretty short order. All right. So this creates the biggest U.S. home builder. What does it mean for some of the other players in this space, whether it's Pulte, whether it's Toll? And I know not all home builders are apples to apples, but what does it mean for the other players in the group? Well, I think there's a couple of considerations. And when we look at this deal, the the two main things that stand out is their intention to go and pursue um, buildable lots in, in strong markets. But perhaps more importantly is that builders are increasingly focused on operational efficiencies. Uh, and that's particularly true as the cost environment remains somewhat of a headwind. You have rising land and labor costs. So builders are looking to spread their fixed costs over a greater number of deliveries. And that's really the the most important thing to take away, I'd say, from this acquisition is that first it creates the largest home builder in the U.S. from a revenue and market cap perspective, but it gives Lennar a top three position in 24 of the top 30 U.S. home building markets. So that gives them greater purchasing power, better access to trades, and it gives them improved operating leverage. So we wouldn't be surprised to see more builders go out and look to acquire companies to improve their leverage profile, but that being said, we would still expect most deals to be of the public to private variety versus what we saw here. Um, what's also kind of wild, and I just go back to something you said at the beginning, is it is kind of interesting that we think we might be in the later innings of kind of this economic recovery. But to see this kind of deal, it makes you kind of scratch your head and say, well, maybe there is a fair amount of room to go. Just got about 20 seconds. Yeah, so I think over the next couple of years, the, the, the growth profile of the industry is still favorable. We kind of expect high single digit to maybe low double digit growth with the single family space, you know, being the key driver of housing demand for the remainder of the cycle. All right. We're going to leave it on that note. Um, thank you so much. Appreciate it as always. Uh, Drew Redding, his insight when it comes to uh, home builders here in the United States. Drew Redding is our home builder analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence from our Bloomberg Intelligence headquarters in Princeton, New Jersey.